This is the Content Strategy Experts podcast produced by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Content Strategy Experts podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast. This is Bill Swallow. I am here with Sarah O'Keefe and Alan Pringle. This is Hello. Where we are once again all in the same location, so we're going to milk this for all it's worth and keep talking about structure and other fun things. Um, so today, we'd like to talk a little bit about what a typical DITA project looks like. Sarah, do you have a, any thoughts on... What a typical data project looks like. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. What was our content rating again? Um, You're clean. It cannot be explicit. And we might want to tell people what data is. Oh, well, that. <laughs> All right. Um, data is the Darwin Information Typing Architecture. It is an XML standard intended specifically for technical content. It was originally written for software documentation by IBM. It is now open source and has components for uh, things like uh, machine troubleshooting and e-learning and all sorts of things that go uh, quite far beyond software documentation. Uh, Somewhere around 80% of the XML work that we do is actually related to DITA. And a localization note here in Europe, they typically refer to it as DITA. So if you're wondering what the differences are, we're talking about the same thing, we just have a slight localization issue. A typical DITA project for us involves a customer coming to us and saying, we've decided we need this, we need to go to structure. We think that DITA is the right infrastructure or the right architecture to base our XML environment on, and we want some help implementing that. I, you know, I almost hesitate to say that there's a typical project because although a lot of them are localization driven, not all of them are. Right. Um, a lot of them are about getting better reuse, but not all of them. It, you know, the reasons that people have for moving into DITA uh, vary, but they typically all have a compelling reason to make that switch. Now, One of the reasons it tends to be so challenging is that in addition to changing over from whatever unstructured tool you were in to a structured authoring tool of some sort and changing your publishing workflow and introducing all this automation and all this metadata, that's all, that's a big deal and that's all challenging right off the bat. But in addition to all of that, when you move into DITA, you also have to write content that is modular and topic-based. And that can be actually as difficult as anything else to move into that kind of an approach when if people haven't been doing that in the past. So the typical project involves software, tools, training, implementation, and also looking at writing uh, standards. Yes, and as part of what you that last part, the writing standards, there's a conversion angle. In some cases, when you are moving to an XML standard such as DITA, you have to look at your existing content and figure out, you know what, is this so far off from like the modular nature of what DITA should be? Are we better off rewriting this content 
or should we convert it? So a lot of times you really have to take a very hard look at your legacy content and figure out, is this worth saving? Is it worth converting? Or will we actually save more money by writing it all over again? Yeah, and that's, that's painful, I mean, to anybody because producing content is expensive and producing it again or, you know, starting right. over is just, that is a really bitter pill. Um, but there are cases where that's, that's actually the most efficient or the cheapest way to go. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how about, um, I mean, doesn't it take a certain degree of, I guess, creativity away from the writers at that point if they have to conform to a specific, you know, structure of writing? And how is that often met? It is met with resistance. I'm biting my tongue here. (laughs) I just gave Bill the death stare for asking that question. It had to be asked. Yes. Your, Your creativity will be limited by working in a structured authoring workflow and that is the price that you pay for producing content that is better and more manageable and more valuable to the organization. What Sarah said is true. If you want to take up creative writing, you need to be writing short stories on your own time. That's the mean manager person in me coming out saying that, but it's true. I have seen in a lot of uh, tech writing environments where a writer says, this content is mine, uh, no, it's not. That is corporate content. It belongs to your employer. It belongs to your the company. So while it is a very it's a great thing to take pride and ownership, you need to realize that you do not own that content. You do not have the right to be as creative as you want with it. You need to stick with the standards, and that's what DITA, for example, does. It helps enforce standards so everyone is writing stuff that is systematically the, the same across the board. So, yeah, regarding those standards, too, they're not necessarily, you know, standards across the board. So any company adopting DITA has to conform to the exact same standards. Now, you, custom, you can customize a standard to make it do what your business requirements dictate you need to do. But at the same time, then that standard holds true for all content produced in that organization. It provides consistency, yes. This is just like if you're writing a, a journal article for an academic journal, you do not get to tell the journal that I didn't feel like writing an abstract. I mean, they're required. Right. And you don't get to say I didn't feel like f- producing a bibliography that is formatted or organized in the approved way. Those are standards for, art, for journal articles that are well understood And what's essentially happening is that an organization is saying, when you write content, when you write technical content, we want it structured, organized, and delivered in a certain way so that your content matches up with other people's content, which then makes it far, far more valuable than it would be if you just went off and decided to do it your way because you're special. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, I'm the world's worst template follower, and I do feel your pain. Yeah. And that's what and that's what DITA brings uh, to your organization well, in any XML standard. But I guess we probably need to get off the this is how structured authoring is and focus probably more on the DITA specifics because that's what this one's about. Well, it's more about you know talking about what what does a typical you know by by asking what a typical DITA implementation looks like. It's 
It's more, you know, what needs to come together in order to make it happen? And, and you know, what, what, what does happen from start to finish in actually producing something into... Well, one thing you have to do before you even start producing anything, you need to talk to everyone who was affected by the change. For example, you're going to need to talk to your IT department because there's a very good chance your tool chain is going to have to change because you're not going to be able to use desktop publishing tools most likely in XML. You may need a place to store that content so, or the, your, your XML, your data files. Um, there are a lot of systems... Uh, um, component content management systems that are specifically for storing data content that may be a good fit for your organization. So you've got to get your IT folks involved. A good example of this is, are you allowed within your company to use tools that are cloud-based that are hosted elsewhere? Some companies don't like that. Some companies prefer it. Those are the kinds of things that go beyond, you know, just using the data structure. You have to think about that and get buy-in and the okay from your IT team. So you mentioned component content management system. So mm-hmm. aside from a, a regular content management system, which is storing, you know, documents and so forth. Like SharePoint, for example. So, exactly. Yeah. This is something that stores content at a... Like almost a molecular level. And it's the source, not the output. Sarah's nose, by the way, her face scrunched up when I said SharePoint. I so I was she, gonna get away so with she that. has something to say about that. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. I have no comment whatsoever on SharePoint except to say that it is not a component content management right. system. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I wanted to touch on, you mentioned conversion and tool stack. And there's a third piece to that sort of getting up and running in DITA, which is the content modeling and information yes. architecture. So what needs to happen is that you look at your information and what you're creating and what you're delivering and figure out what, how am I going to encode this in DITA? What tags am I going to use? What metadata am I going to use? And how am I going to apply that to my information? Part of that is to look at your existing content and map it over to Ditto. But the other part is to look at your existing content and say, what's missing? So to go back to my journal example, maybe you haven't been doing abstracts. And maybe that's something that going forward you want to make sure is in your structure and is enforced. So there's this level of looking at content and saying, how do we need to refactor this? Or how do we need to refine our approach to a given type of information to make sure it has all the pieces and parts in it that we need in order to deliver the thing that you want to deliver at the end of the day. You're getting a chance to hit the reset button when you have to implement data and there's conversion involved. You Mm -hmm. were given a second chance to fix things, make things right. And I have seen it happen where people thought what they needed to do was to basically copy or have exactly what they had before but set it up in a data environment. You're really wasting an opportunity to improve things if you feel the need just to change your tool set and technology under the covers and not look really hard at things that you can improve upon because I'm pretty sure there's things that you could make better during your conversion process. When I got started... Um, most of the deliverables that I was um, producing were print, right? It was actually content. We were generating postscript files and sending them off to the printer and getting blue lines. 
and reviewing those and doing press checks and all this other fun stuff. So the perfect target bound deliverable. Yes, the yes. target deliverable was a perfect bound book uh, for those of you under thirty five. That is, uh, if you look at a paperback, it is perfect bound. And in the olden days, that's how documentation was delivered, you know, in, in a book that went in the box with the product or the software. With a spine and everything. With a spine and everything. And so, uh, perf- so the, you know, there's perfect bound, there's spiral bound. Spiral is exactly what you think it is, and perfect bound is what a normal sort of paperback book has as a spine. Not too long after that, what happened was that we shifted to PDF delivery. And at first, that was just, let's deliver for print, right? It was, um, we're going to ship a PDF, and the customer is going to print that PDF. But pretty quickly, what happened was that it turned into um, adding hyperlinks and adding live cross-references and adding a table of contents that was clickable. You know, some basic stuff that wasn't relevant for paper, but was relevant for PDF. Now, what's happening, again, with DITA is that you're re-examining those templates and those workflows that were probably set up to be PDF primary and saying, well, our primary deliverable is probably something web-based. Right. Uh, Probably HTML, but definitely something that's going on your website. So what can we embed in the content that is now useful to somebody that's consuming that content in that format. So in the same way that we had to add things to PDF to make it usable as PDF and not just a sort of um, refactoring of print, now we're saying, okay, well, part of this is that you look at your new deliverable options and you add the intelligence that you need in the source files to deliver really good online content. Okay, so in a DITA construct, you have content delivery into various different formats. So who would like to jump in and kind of explain at a high level how that happens? Because we haven't talked about actually delivering. delivering. Well, that, that, there's, there's a transformation process that has to occur where your XML source files, basically you gather them together to create whatever deliverable it is and you then transform that collection of data files into a PDF, a help system, a set of web pages, an ebook or whatever. One way to do this and this is what a lot of people use at the core is a collection of open source technology called the DITA Open Toolkit. When you have that toolkit, by default, it offers you baseline ability to create HTML, PDF, help, and a few other outputs. Mm -hmm. And you can extend those basic outputs into other things as well. At the core of that transformation process, are, do we want to get too deep into this? I'm, I feel like I'm getting too deep. Well, when you say baseline, what we mean is ugly. Yeah. Don't stop there. You need to realize that it is possible to update, update those outputs to make them much more attractive and to ma- meet your corporate guidelines for design. PDF help. 
whatever else. So don't be put off by the ugliness. It can be fixed. Yeah, and I mean, it's worth noting that it is more than slightly challenging to to produce nice-looking output. Um, and a lot of people get hung up on that, like, you know, they just take one look at the default output and say this is unacceptable, which I would completely agree that because it is. Because it is. It is. Um, but there's there's a difference between saying this is out-of-the-box unacceptable and saying Ditta makes ugly PDF always. Those are not at all the same thing. And I have heard that last thing said, by the way. Too hard, too ugly. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us... To a close, I think, on this podcast before we start diving into some deeper issues, which I think we should save for some future episodes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so thanks for listening once again, and uh, we will have show notes up. You can check those for additional reading and for other contact information. You can find us on scriptorium.com. Bye. Bye.